The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. So Galatians 6, uh, it's always uh, an emotional moment when I come to an end of an expositional series. Particularly the older you get, you realize, you know, you may never preach through this book again. Uh, Galatians has been a great joy. Uh, so this is the final sermon, the 11 o'clock service uh, in the book of Galatians for me today. So Galatians chapter 6, uh, verse 11, invite you, if you would, to stand as we read the word of God together. <clears throat> See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that you may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we ask now that you would lead us into your word. We confess this is the word of God. This is truth. Holy Spirit, lead us now into all truth. Open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things in your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The book of Galatians has pointed us here and we see this in this final summary. That Jesus Christ is the center of history, the church, and every new creation. The word boast in verse 14, is the hinge in which this final section swings. I looked up the word boast in the dictionary and here's what it says. To boast is to give public display of satisfied contentment in one's own achievements. Public display of satisfied contentment in one's own achievements. I thought, well, that's easy to define in terms of what Paul means here. So here's my definition of boasting as it relates to this text. Boasting in Christ is a public display of satisfied contentment in Christ's achievements. It is a public display of satisfied contentment in Christ's achievements. Verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. And this is what this means. Paul, up to this point, had been using a secretary whom he was dictating to. They were writing. Now he takes up the pen himself and he writes in large letters. And there's been a lot of speculation on what the large letters means. It's pretty obvious what it means. He's being emphatic here. So think if you're typing a text or an email, this is all caps. He's brought the font up bigger. He, he wants to make sure that we're not missing. This is really a summary of Galatians, of everything that's been taught here. And he wants to emphasize and make sure that we're getting the message as he concludes. So what's the message? First, 
that we are boasting in Christ alone for what he has done for us. That we as followers of Christ are not putting on a public display of satisfied contentment in what we have done. This is what the Judaizers wanted to bring to the table. They wanted people to boast in circumcision and the keeping of the law. Today, it's going to church and doing certain religious activities or refraining from things that people in the world do. Whatever it is, if you're boasting what you have done or not done, it's boasting in the flesh, verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Now, circumcision is not the issue at Parkwood. It's not the issue in Gastonia. It it was the issue at that point in time in, in Galatians, in the Galatian church. But here's the issue. The Judaizers showed up, and even though they mentioned the cross, they minimized the cross of Christ, and they emphasized the work of the flesh, specifically circumcision. And Paul here says that even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. He made the argument early in Galatians, if you're going to follow circumcision for your salvation, you've got to go all the way and keep the entire law for your salvation. We know that's impossible for there's no one righteous, no, not one. But here's what these people wanted to do. They wanted to find satisfaction in the fact that others had come over to their side and embraced circumcision. So they could then boast in the new converts. This is a quote. I found it very convicting. Quote, is it, it is absurd to magnify such things as indispensable means of salvation and then go on to boast about them. It was a kind of obsession with church statistics, bragging about, quote, so many circumcisions in a given year, just as we might brag about today, the number of baptisms or the amount of our offering that we've given. Aha, we're no different. We want to grab hold of these things that we can see and touch and elevate those things. You ever wondered why your lost family and friends will come to your baptism? You ever wondered why lost family and friends will come to a baby dedication? Because what they're seeing, so you better be clear with the gospel. This is why we're so clear on baptism days and baby dedication days. You better be clear with your lost family members that what we're doing in no way saves that these outward acts are not the result, do not result in our salvation. Now here's the issue. When they promoted circumcision, they were avoiding the offense of the cross. So you gotta ask the question then, what is the offense of the cross? Why does the cross offend? You see, it says in verse 12, in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. The offense of the cross is just this. Jesus died on the cross for sinners. He became a curse for us. The cross tells us the truth about ourselves. Namely, we are sinners under the righteous curse of God's law and we cannot save ourselves. Nothing in history or the universe cuts us down to size like the cross of Jesus Christ. 
All of us on some level have an inflated view of ourselves, especially when it comes to self-righteousness. Until, until we visit Calvary. It is there at the foot of the cross that we, are, that we shrink down to our true size as to who we really are. This is a quote. The gospel is offensive to the liberal because the liberal charges the gospel with intolerance because the gospel says only those who look to the cross are saved. The gospel is also offensive to the conservative because it says to those good people that they are as in much trouble as the bad people. Ultimately, the gospel is offensive because the cross stands against all schemes of human beings for self-salvation. All other religions in the world are based on self-salvation. How you can get yourself to God. And here's what has happened and will continue to happen until Jesus comes. People will worm their way into the church of Jesus Christ and create a list of how people can self-save themselves. What Paul is returning to in Galatians, what he is calling his people to is that we boast only in Christ. That we give public display in our worship, in our witness, in our lives, that our satisfied contentment is in Christ's achievement on the cross. We boast in the cross. We boast in what Christ has done for us. Verse 14, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, I need you, if you can, to go back to the first century in your mind for a moment and to think how this original message sounded to people. Crosses are very common in our society. People wear them around their neck as jewelry. They get them tattooed on their body. You see them displayed in all kinds of places on the road and the interstate and churches. It's, it's a very common symbol that, that we see. But in the first century, in the Roman world, the cross represented a violent, shameful death for a horrific criminal. Here's the best way to shock your mind into what we're talking about. Crosses were for Ted Bundy's. Crosses were for people who go into schools and shoot 30 people. The cross was an offensive thing. People didn't even use the word. It wasn't a part of common vocabulary because it was seen as such a horrific, awful thing. And for Paul to say, far be it for me to boast except in the cross of Christ, that grabbed the attention of people. For the Jew, it was a stumbling block. For the Greek, it was foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1.23. Because here's what the cross does. The cross exposes man's desperate state that we are completely bankrupt. The suffering of Jesus was necessary. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hang on a tree. You see, the curse of the law 
has been removed from us who trust in Christ because Christ took the curse on himself. At Golgotha, a real moment in time, history was altered forever. It wasn't just a day. It was a significant day where, where the unexplainable happened. The sky went dark. The whole universe communicated. History has been altered. The earth quaked. It gave up the dead from graves. At that moment, everything changed. People in the first few centuries understood this. They reset time around this. They started counting years surrounding the life and death of Jesus Christ. And here's what we've got to understand. When we look to Christ and we believe and we trust for what he has done and accomplished on our behalf on the cross, what we could not accomplish for ourselves, our personal history is altered forever. That when we trust in Christ and what he has accomplished on our behalf, we say with Paul in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, the cross kills the old person and introduces a brand new reality. This reality is defined in the end of verse 14 when Paul says, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What does that mean? It means that the world no longer rules over the person who is trusting in the finished work of Christ. It means that they no longer answer to the world. Now let's get down to the core issue here of the world and boasting. Hear me. Whatever you're boasting in, that is your salvation. Whether it is your job, your career, your family, your children, your spouse, yourself, sports, grades, whatever it is, wherever it is that you boast and find your identity, that is your salvation. And I just want to say to you, it is a poor savior. It will come up short. It will not last and it will not work. You know when people wake up to this reality that these false saviors won't save? Death. When life comes to an end, people begin to rethink everything they've ever thought. Well, friends, everything changed at death. Not mine and not yours. Everything changed at the death of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And when we look to the finished work of Christ, we say, there is nothing in this world that I can boast in. Nothing. There is nothing in this world that controls me. All I must have is Christ and Christ alone. Now hear me, this is the weight that I feel as I come to the end of Galatians and as I preach in this place among you, brothers and sisters and friends, you cannot boast in yourself 
and in the cross of Jesus Christ simultaneously. They are opposed to each other. We either boast in Christ alone or we boast in Christ not at all. And I've said this, I hope clearly through this entire series of of Galatians. The same deadly mixture that was going on in the church of Galatia is going on in Gastonia, North Carolina. As people try to work their self-salvation religion together with what Jesus has done, they do not mix. We must look to Christ and to Christ alone for what he has accomplished for us, for what he has accomplished for us, only he could do. We also boast or boasting in Christ alone for what he has done in us. These things are not separated. I'm just identifying and looking. So we're not concerned with an external show, what we did or didn't do. It's an inward reality. And because of this inward reality, I can't say I'm better than you, nor do I say I'm inferior to you. You say the same thing. If I am in Christ, here's what's true of me. I am a new creation. So Paul says in verse 15, neither circumcision counts for anything. So that, that, that doesn't save you, nor does uncircumcision. So if you're proud of the fact you didn't, So let's press in here. There's a bunch of you in this room who think you're Christians because of the stuff you don't do. No, you're not. You just don't do those things. The only way that you're a Christian is if Christ is in you, is if you are a new creation and the new creation has dawned through the work of the Holy Spirit when the work of Christ on the cross is applied to our hearts. God said it was going to be this way. I'm just going to quote to you Ezekiel chapter 11. It's in your notes so you can look. This is God speaking. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and I will give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. Brothers and sisters, this was fulfilled in Jesus Christ and applied to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Just turn a couple pages back from Galatians to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. Now now here, here Paul stating how Ezekiel 11 has come to be. Verse 3. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything that is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who made us competent to be ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills So keeping the law kills. Seeking circumcision kills. Keeping any kind of list somebody comes up with, it kills. But the Spirit gives life. So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. But there's more. 
It's not just what Christ has done for us in the past. It is not just what Christ has done in us in the present. We also are boasting in Christ alone for what he will do in us, what he will do through us and what he will do for us. Verse 16, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. The word walk in the Greek is future. This is a future act of all who walk in the future. By this rule, the word Greek word is canon. It means measuring rod. Think measuring tape or ruler. So, so the church, as the Bible was established as to what actually were the books of the Bible that made up what we now call the Holy Bible, in the first few centuries was called the canon, the rule. And here's what the canon reveals. It reveals the living word, the living canon, the living rule who is Jesus Christ. So those who live by the rule, live by the word, they live by the rule, rule who is Christ. And here's what's true for all who are in Christ. Peace and mercy are upon them. Now let's go back to the very beginning of Galatians chapter one and look in verse six. And look at the difference. The, th these, these verses serve as bookends to the book of Galatians as to whether you get it or not. So peace and mercy is on them. Look at what he says in verse six of chapter one. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So if you come up with a different measuring stick, you're accursed. That means you're gonna face the wrath of God. But for those who look to Christ and look to Christ alone, peace and mercy is upon them. It's not just an individual. If you remember back in Ezekiel it said, I will give them one heart. A new spirit I will put within them. Who's them? It's the Israel of God. It's the people created by God in Christ. The Christian church, the Christian church here is revealed, enjoys a direct continuity with God's people in the Old Testament. Those who are in Christ today are the true circumcision. We are Abraham's offspring. We are the Israel of God. Peter describes this continuity from the Old Testament to the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Why has God formed the Israel of God, this chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation? that they may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's parallel. It's what Paul says in verse 14 of chapter six. We boast in the cross. We boast in how God has brought us from darkness 
into light. We are his people, both now and forever. There are two points of application I want you to see at the end of the text. The first one is a sobering reality, but it must be said. Boasting in Christ alone has real consequences. From now on, let no one trouble me. No, no one calls me trouble for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. Now in verse 12, Paul made the comment that in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ, they changed the message of the gospel, something new and different so that they wouldn't be offensive is what he's saying. So when Paul is writing here, he's appealing to the Galatian church and saying, there doesn't need to be any trouble from the Galatian church toward me. What should happen from the church is we should empathize with each other, we should care for each other, we should comfort one another. Because here's what we realize, when we go outside of the gathering of the church into the world, there are real consequences for living for Christ and speaking for Christ. Now I know this is true. This is gonna be convicting, but it's the truth. The reason you don't open your mouth for Jesus is not because you don't know how. It's not because you're gonna afraid you're gonna mess it up. Let's just all be honest. If we open our mouths for Jesus Christ in this world, there will be consequences. People will push back. People will respond negatively. Paul understood this. And he said to the Galatians, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. I actually read where people are trying to make the uh, uh, application that slaves were tattooed, so Paul took a tattoo. That is not what this means. Read your Bible. Don't defend something you want to do. What this means is when you take 2 Corinthians and look closely and you read the book of Acts, this man was stoned nearly to death. They thought he was dead. He was beaten multiple times. He was run out of town physically more than once. He was shipwrecked. When you got around Paul, he was a scarred, disabled man. He was a wounded warrior. And it was not because he fought in the army. It was because he publicly boasted in Christ and it cost him. Paul regularly gave public display of a satisfied contentment in Christ's achievements. And he says to the Galatians, you of all people don't need to cause me trouble. And let me just say this church, Here's one of the ways you can tell the church is not being the church is because there's so much infighting in the church. And I'm, not just, I'm not talking about Parkwood specifically here. I'm talking about locally. The world thinks we're idiots. That we're sitting around fighting and going on with each other. It's what the, the devil would love. Y'all just fight each other. When God has called us to take this gospel into the world and live with the consequences that it brings. If we did that, we'd come staggering in here on Sundays as wounded warriors in need of triage and first aid with each other, encouragement and help so that we can press on. As a result of that, Paul wrote in Philippians chapter three, verse 17. You can flip there if you'd like. 
This is your growth group text for the week. Brothers, and let me say sisters, when the word brothers is in the text, he's appealing to the whole church. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. With minds set on earthly things. Young people, you hear me. The world's begging you to get into this. It's begging you to join with the God of the belly and the glory of the shame and the mind set on earthly things. But if you're in Christ, here's what's true. Our citizenship is in heaven and we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enable him even to subject all things to himself, which leads me to my final application that boasting in Christ alone is by his grace forever. Oh, thank God for verse 18. Paul begins this chat, the, the book of Galatians irritated and aggravated and he ends with gracious language. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit and don't miss these last words, brothers. Paul knew there were Christ's followers at Galatia. And he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. When? When, when, when does the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ need to be with your spirit? Right now. Right now. The prophet Jeremiah wrote, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, not, not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches. So God could care less this morning about your IQ, how much weight you could lift or how much money you have. He's not impressed. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. I have a question. Where can we clearly see that the Lord has practiced steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth? The answer is the history-altering moment of the incarnation, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The summation of God's steadfast love God's justice being satisfied on the cross and his righteousness being given to the Israel of God. In that, God delights. And what we boast in is that we know God through Christ and what he has accomplished now and, and brothers and sisters, forever. Jude now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority. Now watch this. Before all time, now and forever. Amen. I've said this several times in the study of Galatians. I'll repeat it one more time. You're all gonna stand before God, all of you in this room, each and every one of you, there will be no exception. I plead with you not to try this. God, aren't you happy you got me? You got me. 
God, look what I did. Aren't you impressed? There's only one boast to bring that day. It's Jesus Christ. I don't know if any of you saw what I wrote about the death of Billy Graham. I mean this in the absolute core of my being and I know what's going on in this society. People think, not everybody, but I would say the majority of people think Billy Graham went to heaven because he did a bunch of good stuff. Billy Graham went to heaven the same way me, you, all of us are gonna go. And that is through Christ alone. There is no other way. I'll just say it this way. God's not impressed with Billy Graham. God's impressed with Christ the Son. We boast in Jesus. We boast in Jesus Christ alone. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.